podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Finally, here, guys, the moment we've all been waiting for. The eyes of the world descend on the stadiums across the land as the Baltic Cup kicks off. And we are here to take you through every ball that's kicked, every goal scored, And while we're at it, maybe we'll cover the tournament that happens to be kicking off in the Middle East too. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey mate, how are you doing? I'm getting into the World Cup now. I I have to say, last few days I've been kind of just observing, taking notes of teams and I'm just getting into the flavour. Even talking with people at work, that kind of gets the World Cup vibe. How has it been for yourself so far? Yeah, it's kind of weird here because obviously Italy aren't in it. I think everyone's pretending (laughs) it's not happening. So like every time I walk into like my teen classes or something, I'm like, hey guys, we're looking forward to the world cup and they're just like oh is that happening like this country is just (laughs) completely ignoring the fact it's happening which is a little bit annoying but also fun because i get to remind them every week when i see them oh did you see the world cup this week did you see england (laughs) in the world cup so it's going to be good fun but i am getting i am getting excited about it the only annoying thing is that i'm going to be working for most of the games now my job obviously is quite seasonal during the summer i don't work so Mm. when it's a summer world cup all the football (laughs) and now i hate fifa even more especially after seeing the doc as well i hate them even more that they've managed to make sure i won't see any of this i'm gonna have to spend a lot of time on youtube and hiding my screen from my boss i think is going to be the main thing are you going to be doing the same in the office uh i'm gonna be doing a bit of everything so i'm gonna have at same time as maybe a few calls i'll have my ipad nice. or mobile device streaming <laughs> <laughs> while i pretend nice. that i'm actually concentrating on the call i'm sure i'll get called up on like adam you uh answering that question or like you know or some yeah just silences like... like uh sorry i was on mute <laughs> yes that that reason um, but yeah, I'm going to try and take as much as I can. But yeah, it is going to be challenging. I suspect mm. it'll get easier as we go through the knockout phases. But yeah, like yourself, I'll be keen to get in a few big games. Um, mm-hmm. And I suppose it starts off on Sunday, doesn't it? With the big one being Qatar versus Ecuador, right? It does. And there's already... Now we're going to do a few little stories before we jump into the World exactly. Cup. But let's do a little World Cup story there's already an account that has claimed that the Qataris have paid $8 million to the Ecuadorian team for them to lose 1-0 to a second-half goal. Now, um, this account has a blue tick, but if you've been on Twitter recently, you now know that means nothing. So (laughs) um, we shall see. All I would say is now pile on, like you're Ivan Tony, pile (sighs) on Ecuador winning because... FIFA cannot afford Qatar to win now because the rumours would be rife. Adam, what did you think when you saw that tweet? I I fell for the blue tick and then I remembered Elon as rumours. Yeah, you've got to have a bit of scepticism. But at the same time, if you've seen the videos of the fake England fans that are cheering on mm-hmm. the England squad and also saying that their heroes are Wayne Rooney and Frank Lampard from the bygone eras of England football team, um, yeah, you can kind of feel that this could be legitimate, but mm-hmm. yeah, you have to take it with a pinch of salt, as you say. The blue tick does kind of give it away a little bit. But 
I wouldn't put it past it. I would definitely not put no, it past it. No, no, no. And uh, Martin, who we were lucky to interview for the Ecuador mm -hmm. episode on YouTube, he kind of said the team that hosts has never failed to lose or lose, yeah, to lose on the opening game of the tournament. Um, so that's a very interesting stat. So, uh, yeah, maybe it is written in the stars for Qatar to maybe get a point in this. Don't know. What, what we, do you think? Well, I don't know. I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> I really exactly. don't want their team to do well. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't want them to do well. Um, but before we go into the World Cup, we want to talk about a few stories, and I kind of touched yeah. on one of them already. Um, Ivan Tony. Um, something's been revealed about him. Even more <laughs> has been revealed about him this week. Uh, what was it, Adam? Yeah. So um, if you look at the abbreviations of his actual full name it spells out the word i bet um so it is ivan benjamin elijah tony so yes the clues um, were there all along, the clues were there. All along. <laughs> but the <laughs> amount of memes that have come out since so in addition to the uh story that we've just covered um there was a meme that kind of said this is Ivan Tony a minute later after hearing that news. And it's just him spending like a million pounds on this particular bet, basically. And loads <laughs> of sites do that. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, it's not looking too good on uh, Mr. Tony because there's a lot of stories stemming to his Peterborough days as well. There's a wow. very dodgy video. I d it came up this morning on my time feed, which was there was an incident against, I want to say it was Crawley Town, and he handballs the ball from going into the net when he doesn't need to reach out with his hand, if that makes sense. He got wow. a red card for it as well. So was there intentions to... Everything uh, maybe... is going to be analysed yeah, by it's him now, so isn't it? It's crazy. <laughs> Man, everything's going to be analysed. This is going to be the thing. You know, like when people think of Mickey Thomas, you just think, you know that he printed fake money, right? Yeah. This is going to be like Ivan Tony's thing. It's like, oh yeah, he's the guy who like bet on all the games, right? That's just going to follow yeah. him around now. That's it. It's kind of a shame, but you know, don't bet on the, the, the rules are pretty clear. They should be stricter, very clear. but the rules are pretty bloody clear. Um, yeah, unlucky Ivan. Um, <laughs> unlucky, it's your own fault. Um, the next story we're going to talk about is... And this has all been brought to my attention by The Sweeper at Sweeper Pod. Great account to follow. They kind of do the minor leagues around Europe, give you mm. all the little details. And they did give me the inspiration for our intro this week as the Baltic Cup did kick up. There's a, a kickoff. It's a biennial tournament, and it's between Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, and Iceland. Um, and both of the games were settled on penalties. And Latvia... Estonia was one all. Latvia had a man sent off and won 5-3 on penalties. The 10 men were wow. victorious. And in the other semi-final, it was nil-nil between Lithuania and Iceland. <laughs> Iceland had a man sent off. So it's not a friendly tournament. They do seem to, like, yeah, yeah. go for it. And then the 10 men again won 6-5 on penalties. So the match for third place will be Estonia versus, um, Estonia versus Lithuania. And the final is Latvia versus Iceland, and that will take place on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern European time. If you are looking for some pre-international football to warm yourself up for the World Cup, and I, I, I hesitate, they might be better than Qatar. I think both those teams might be better than Qatar. Just, maybe yeah. just. We'll see. Um, but yeah, maybe I, Iceland, I can, not Latvia. I can see yeah. it on like an ITV4. It's kind of one of those things where you're flicking through. Oh, there's the Baltic Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, I love it. Yeah. Um, 
And finally, in our little kind of smaller teams of Europe yeah. news, um, Gibraltar, UEFA's smallest member state by population, um, they finally ended their 22-game winless streak by beating Liechtenstein 2 0 um, Cipollina and Walker getting the goals in the 14th and 21st minute to secure an early victory. That's absolutely huge for Gibraltar. And I think this is like the benefits we're seeing of the Nations League, right? This is mm. this is yeah, the benefits definitely. we're seeing, right? It's incredible to see getting more competitive, beating the teams around them. And it's nice to see some alternative international yeah. football, maybe. Definitely, definitely. I think we want those kind of, smaller sides to get better in quality Mm -hmm. and I I think also you know you think about sides like Albania when they made it for the first time in the Euros for example a few years back that's the kind of stories we'd love to see we'd love to see those kind of countries being able to progress and do well and you think about all the other smaller sides like the Bosnia Herzegovinas of this world as well they're getting better and better I mean think about the man that we've been raving on our pods Faradona, I mean, imagine if he could lead Georgia to a tournament. I mean, yeah, the scenes in Georgia will be a bliss, won't it? In Tbilisi I've and just, everywhere. I've just had the idea for my next FM save. There we go. Georgian <laughs> club and national team lead them to the World Cup. There we go. I can feel it. I can feel yeah. it coming. Nice. Well, that is it for a kind of roundup. I think before we're actually so. going to go to the World Cup now, guys, we're actually going to do it. it. I'm super excited. Um, we're going to go through the groups. We're going to give some predictions. We're going to kind of preview the first game without talking about potential bribery too much. Yeah. And we will see you on the other side, guys. My name is David Artel, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian pod. And here we are. It's time for the World Cup. Finally, I... I feel like a kid again, yeah. just remembering that there's going to be four matches a day. It's just the best time. Like... <laughs> Uh, the missus absolutely hates it. I'm not sure if it's the same <laughs> yes. in your in the same situation. It would definitely be the same in my household. Definitely. But is there a better time than the group stages? I absolutely love it. Probably not, but then it depends on the games, doesn't it? Sometimes mm-hmm. it depends on the quality of the sides. I am a bit worried about some of the games because I feel like there's a few you could call that could be like really absolutely dire. And I'm hoping they're the one o'clock kickoff games. So then the <laughs> yeah. 7 p.m. ones are a bit more enjoyable. But yeah, that's optimistic thinking on my part. But um, yeah, I suppose let's start off with Group A because we are kicking off with the uh, group that's uh, going to break us into this World Cup, right? So I'm looking forward to Ecuador. What what, um, what do you think about this whole group to start off with? Yeah, I think like it's a group that's interesting because when you first look at it, you go, okay, Neville and Senegal, right, done. You that's think like so, yeah. the two, right? That, when it was first drawn, I was like, yeah, Neville's top, Senegal second, right, moving on. Mm. And then the more you learn about Ecuador, and our listeners are going to be sick to death of us <laughs> yes, saying the word Ecuador, but Ecuador, Ecuador, they do have a really, really exciting team. Not only the likes of Caicedo and Enciso that we've known from Brighton, but they've kind of sprinkled with exciting talent everywhere. Yes. It's a very young team. And they absolutely smashed the qualification campaign. Like, I think people it's... underestimate how difficult South America is. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of teams that at the moment aren't where they used to be, like Chile and teams like that. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. So it makes you think that the competition isn't there. But there, you, there's also the fact that it's one big league. Like, there's yeah. like it is just one division. And then you have to go to places like Bolivia and play in like altitude and you have to go to like 
these ridiculous conditions, it is undoubtedly, I think, the hardest area to qualify from, just from the level of teams and the conditions you have to play in. So I think for Ecuador to get there is incredible. And this is a young, exciting, quick attacking yeah. team like what well, you you talked to martin like what were your yeah. impressions after talking to him about like i think what i, I got the impression of optimism like there's a like despite the backdrop around the legalities of brian castillo who's yes. whether he's colombian whether he's ecuadorian and um, park that to the sides this is a really exciting side so as you rightly say there's a lot of premier league players but Outside of that, they've got a few key players like Michael Estrada, who c- contributed in that campaign. Um, they've also got the likes of more experienced players like Angle Mena, who plays mm-hmm. at Leon in Mexico. He's a key player in terms of linchpin. But the big player to call out that I think is going to really come to like everyone's kind of thoughts now is a player called Gonzalo Plajeta, um, plays for, or Plata, sorry, should I say, um, plays for Real Valladolid, um, and he's an exciting winger. Um, they play 4-3-3, um, but he can play as a third in that attacking nice. range. Um, but uh, yeah, they've even, at the back, they've got some really good players as well. Um, people will remember the likes of Enna Valencia as well mm-hmm. from his days at West Ham. He's the main linchpin in terms of he's the captain. He's the one that's experiencing that squad as well. I'm really excited. And as you alluded to, tough qualification. They drew against the likes of Brazil and Argentina as well. So that kind of shows you the quality they've got in that squad. Um, and yeah, in the coach of Gustavo Alfaro as well, he's an Argentinian. He's you know, being manager of Buenos Aires and all of these different clubs in Argentina. So I, I'm really excited. Like if it, do, it doesn't come out in terms of my tone, definitely I'd say put your money on Ecuador, Ivan Tony. Uh, I think they could <laughs> surprise a lot of teams in this qualification bit. And I actually think they could shock a few teams in this yeah. opening stages as well. So um yeah, let, let's move on to the other teams. Because, I just very quickly um, yeah, wanted to say they've also got a striker whose first name is Jorkaev as well. I yes. absolutely yeah. love it when you see footballers that are named after footballers. The backstory, yeah, he's named after Yuri. Yeah, yeah, Amazing. it has to be right. Jorkaev, right, Riasco. So hopefully we see something of him in the tournament just for the name alone. Love it, absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, but we need to talk about Netherlands. I think Netherlands are a team that slowly are becoming a lighter and lighter horse. Um, People are kind of realizing, I think after the kind of results against Belgium and stuff in the qualification, um, people kind of realize there's a proper team there. And Louis van Gaal has got his tactics across. He's got his system set in. And yeah, it feels like they could be real contenders. It looks like depending on the bracket, they could be drawn against Argentina quite early, I think. The way it lies. So if they do it, it's going to be the tough way, but they've got to be looking at top in this group, right? I I think they will, just purely based on the quality they've got in their squad. Mm -hmm. Um, They played Poland recently in the Nations League and they tore us apart. They literally Mm -hmm. just controlled us and they seem just like they've got a bit of a freedom about them. And, you know, Van Gaal, you know, I think it's almost... A lot of people have got a lot of love for him at the moment because of what he's been going through. And it feels like 
this is definitely his last tournament with the Netherlands. I don't think you'll see him coach the Netherlands. Um, he's been brutally truthful. He said his piece on Qatar that he shouldn't be here yeah, in yeah. terms of World Cup, which I love. Um, but mm-hmm. just more to the squads. I mean, the fact that they've had to leave out a few names like Sven Botman, you know, at Newcastle, that kind of shows you the depth they've got. The only one concerning aspect you could maybe argue is goalkeeping wise. They've got a very aging goalkeeping, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moment, which is very strange. Um, you kind of think there must be a young Netherlands goalkeeper, even in the under 21s, that might be aspiring to be in this World mm-hmm. Cup squad. But, um, even if you look at the front line as well, so Bergwijn, obviously Depay, but they've got the likes of Wout Veghorst and uh, yeah, Vincent yeah. Janssen, <laughs> which can you imagine that? Say they're losing a game, they bring those two on. <laughs> yeah, that, would, that would be hilarious. I, I can't wait to see Veghorst there. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I think the goalkeeping situation is mad. It's that like 38-year-old from Ajax, right, who yeah. barely played for Ajax. But now it's, yeah, it's an insane situation. Yeah. That. And I think maybe that is the kind of chink in the armour there, that it's good, but it's not quite perfect, yeah, right? exactly. We all love Louis, Louis Vaghal, and his press conferences are going to be great entertainment the entirety through this tournament, because he is—he yeah. never minces his words, right? Never, <laughs> ever minces his words. <laughs> love him. Absolutely love him. We need to talk about Senegal, then we're going to move on to Qatar. Now, Senegal, the terrible news, genuinely terrible mm. news, is that Sadio Mane is not going to take part in this tournament now. Um, it seems like he can't get over the injury that he sustained. And for Senegal, this changes a lot. Now, obviously, yes. they were a team that didn't, they won the AFCON, right? They had a very, very successful, like, they've got a lot of talent around him. But if you saw them in the AFCON, everything did kind of focus around him. He was very yeah. much the linchpin of that team. How do you think they deal with this? Like, before we go into this squad a little bit more, how do you think they yeah. deal with I mean, I think they may be lucky in respect of it might help the other strikers that are in that team mm. to maybe go unnoticed. And I mean, we, we've talked about Dyer, who plays for um, DR, should I say, for Selenatana. Mm. Um, but the other big name yeah. is Nicholas Jackson. He seems to be the one that's been touted as the player to flourish at this tournament. So he currently plays for Villarreal. Um, but if you look at their squad, they've got a few big names. You know, Ismaili Saar, that a lot of people will know from his Watford days, for example. Um, there's also um, Papa Saar, who plays for Tottenham as well, who might be one to keep an eye out on as well. Um, mm-hmm. But generally, if you look across the team, they've got quality in midfield, they've divorced defensively. And if you think about goalkeeping-wise, um, I think I listened recently um, to a Senegalese expert and he said the fact that they've got Mendy now as a goalkeeper is an improvement on what they had before. They've also got uh, Seni Diong who plays for QPR. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think they've got some quality across the pitch. Um, We know about Senegal as a team. They do play for each other. And in Alou Cisse, the uh, ex-Birmingham City player, I think they will potentially do quite well but then I think about who I think will qualify out of this group and I think it's down to that head-to-head between Ecuador and Senegal it almost feels like to me that Ecuador have the edge personally Mm -hmm. because of Mane not being able to uh, make it I don't know what you feel yeah, I think it's interesting with teams when they lose like such a key player, it goes one of two ways. Either it completely falls yeah. apart or the team grows because they're not just looking for that one man every time. So it'll be interesting to see which way it goes. Mm. Um, 
Ali Ousise did an incredible job coaching them to the to the Afcon. He's a very good manager. I think tactically he's like he, he's very capable and he he will have the team prepared. I think there's one more player we do need to talk about as well, which is Illiman Ndia, who is currently I think the top scorer in the championship for Sheffield United. He's got nine mm-hmm. goals and two assists um, for uh, Sheffield United in the championship so far. So maybe. It, he's still quite young. I think he's about 23, 22 years old. So I don't know if they're going to throw yeah. him in, but he could be a very good option off the bench. And in our World Cup preview video, which you can still watch on YouTube, Ibrahim does talk about him as a player to be very excited by. So I think Senegal do have options. They've got a capable manager. I think you're right. It's going to be about how they do against Ecuador. That's the big game in this group. Finally, we need to talk about Qatar. Yeah. Now, there's a weird vibe about Qatar. I feel like this must be what it was like to watch a World Cup in the 60s. You know, like when you didn't know anything about a team, you're just like, we're playing yeah. we're playing Brazil. I hear they're good and you know nothing about <laughs> yeah, their players, right? I've heard a whisper on the wind of one of their strikers. I've heard less than that on Qatar. Like, I yeah. know nothing i know they got to the fight they won the asian games right they did yeah i think they They beat japan in the final which is like whoa okay massive yeah huge so there's obviously some quality there i could not tell you anything else yeah so i'll be honest i've kind of a little bit unprepared but there is one player that i will call out and he's the striker called almanos Ali, hopefully I've pronounced mm-hmm. that quite well. He's their top goal scorer in their team. He's going to be the linchpin for them. The one thing that I get the impression with Qatar is that they're well-drilled and they'll probably be technically quite good. Um, so they've had influences like Xavi being there, obviously. Okay. And they've got the Spanish coach at the mm-hmm. moment in charge of them. Uh, I'm just trying to grab his name Felix now. Sanchez. Uh, Felix, Felix Sanchez. Felix Sanchez, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I've I've heard about the goalkeeper, but I don't know his credentials. Um, Said El Sheib. Um, again, don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, but I'm totally expecting them to be the whipping boys of this group. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I just don't think they've done enough at this stage. However, I think they've done massive grounds in terms of trying to improve their status in terms of footballing wise. Um, I think it was reported that they were, what, 109th when they were awarded yeah, yeah. the um, actual tournament. And now they're somewhere ranked around the 50, 55, 51 position wow. in the FIFA rankings. That's whether you believe the FIFA rankings. That's the problem. I don't yeah. believe Belgium is still number one in the world, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah. Nice. No, yeah, I think I, I kind of read something that it's not all naturalized players. Like there was rules brought yeah. in that now it is a lot of like Qatari born players exactly. as well, which is good. You don't just want a load of like Brazilian mercenaries <laughs> in your team, I don't think. Like, no. I don't know. It seems like a better direction to go in. But we're going to move on to Group B, which is, of course, England, Iran, USA, and Wales. Whew, this is honestly, I th- day by day, maybe it's just tournament nerves. This group looks trickier and trickier to me by the day. I don't know what you think. I've always felt like this was the mm-hmm. uh, banana skin tie for England, to be fair, because on paper it looks so simple. We know <laughs> when England have something that's perceived to be easy, they don't make it easy for themselves. And uh, you've had the pleasure, obviously, of turning up on Iranian or Iranian podcast, right? Yeah. Recently, uh, yeah, to yeah, talk yeah. about England. 
Um, they have high hopes about their potential performance at this World Cup, but then the likes of USA are a bit rejuvenated at the moment. And mm -hmm. the same could be said about Wales. Um, Wales look very, I suppose, counter-attacking style. Yeah. You know, I think we should be wary of their presence. I think England, based on quality alone, should have enough to mm -hmm. get through this group stages. But... Yeah, you only need one bad result to go the other way. And then the tension, as you kind of say, will just draw upon that squad and mm -hmm. there'll be a lot of pressure on those players. But maybe that's what they need sometimes. They need that pressure on their backs just to get them started. I mean, how, yeah. how do you see England really doing? Because we, we're not happy with the squad, right? We reflected that. No, I think it's pod. like, I think in general, I'm happy with there's just one or two changes I would have made, but most of it is kind of sensible and makes sense, I think. Um, but what, what concerns me is that every game in this group, England are the only team that have anything to lose. Mm. Like every team that play England have got nothing to lose. Like yeah, they're exactly. expected to lose. Let's just go for it. Whereas England, they're expected to win every game. And that is not going to happen, I don't mm. think. So that's what concerns me. I think with a team like Iran, like like you said, I guessed it on the um, I think it's B twenty nine podcast, um, and the the way they talked about it was Taremi from Porto is their danger guy, uh, Yahambash, who people might recognise the name. Mm is having a pretty good season. He's going to be a danger man, but they're very much going to set up to just frustrate us, catch us on the break. Wales definitely going to do the same but they're a team that mm. it, we cannot give free kicks away around the box yeah, we just exactly. can't do it we just yeah. do not foul around the box because gareth bale like to steal a phrase from ellis james again he says when it matters he matters and he yeah. does it on the big stage and i'm terrified that he's going to pin one top corner because he's definitely capable of it that being said wales they are not a one-man team there's a lot of just mm -hmm decent quality in that team. Even yes. players like Nico Williams now, very good Premier League standard player. You've got Aaron Ramsey, who's doing pretty well in France, can turn up on his day. You've got a lot of quality in that team. You've got Danny Ward, you know, goalkeeper with tied most <laughs> clean sheets in the Premier League. That's, yeah. that's some pedigree. Like, yeah. I think they're, they're not to be sniffed at. USA are the one that I think people actually think they're better than they are. I think they're the yeah. only team where I'm like, I don't think they're as good as people think they are. But what do you I think, think they had the potential, but for whatever reason, it's never kind of come through. Um, mm. And maybe it stems from the likes of reliance on the likes of Pulisic, potentially. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's been the key player for them for a number of seasons, hasn't he? So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think USA will struggle, and it'll be interesting to see when they play Iran, because I think that'll be the third and fourth place spot. I, I that's going to be... Iran are going to fancy their chances, that's for sure. If yeah, if there is something riding on that game, that's going to be so much fun to watch. It's going to be so much, <laughs> like there's not going to be much football, but it'll be fun no. to watch. Um, I think yeah, with the USA, like Pulisic has not had a run of games in no. well since I can remember him getting to the UK really. <laughs> um, like, and it feels like he is such a big part of that team. Like Weston McKennie is a huge player for them. A player yeah. again, I think he's underrated, but. He's okay. He's, he's um, okay yeah. The players that would concern me actually is Brendan Aronson from Leeds, I think is a very, very good player. And maybe in mm. a slightly higher caliber team, if he could do or, better, or America right? better than Leeds, I don't know. But in a slightly <laughs> higher caliber team, let's say he could Tyler be Adams team. is another one I'm thinking of. I think yes. he's a really good yeah, yeah. DM um, yeah. on his day. But yeah, yeah. You, you've said it nicely. I think they are probably going to struggle in this group. Yeah.
Um, we shall see. Cut to USA 2, England 1, <laughs> an egg all over our faces. Um, we don't want to spend too much time on England because we could get stuck there for a long time. Yeah. Um, England squad, very quickly, how much do you love Declan Rice bringing an empty suitcase for the World Cup trophy? I love the piss-boiling antics. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I absolutely love it. I cannot wait to have that little meme where Larry David, Kirby enthusiasm, ending titles <laughs> happen straight after that as well. So, yeah, l- let's see. Let's see. But, yeah, that seems a uh, very quiet optimism from Rice's part anyway. I absolutely love it. I just think it's just, yeah, I think it's incredible. Good work, Declan. And you can return it home to Ireland once you're done, right? You know, where you were meant to be. <laughs> uh, nice. Let's move on to Group C. And... Adam, here we go. Poland, World Cup. Argentina, Mexico, Poland and Saudi Arabia. This is a tough group. It is. It is a very tough group. And I think what we haven't mentioned to this point and I think will be concerning for Poland potentially is the conditions that we have to play Mm -hmm. in. So I think that hasn't been really spoken about too much. Um, But the Polish coach, Mikniewicz, um, did mention that when he went there earlier in the year, he found it incredibly hot, very difficult to like kind of move around without sweating too much. Uh, And he's a big lad. If you haven't seen him, he's a very big lad. He's been eating a a lot of pierogies. That's all I can say. Um, (laughs) But um, recently um, in a friendly against Chile the other day, they won 1-0. Um, didn't play the most enthralling football, let's put it this way. Uh, 28% possession stats Ooh. for Poland's favour. And um, Grzegorz Krychowiak, who a lot of West Bromwich Albion fans will remember from his very brief time in the Premier League, um, mentioned that Poland aren't going to be playing too much attractive football at this World oh, wow. Cup, which indicates the style that's going to be potentially taken on this squad. I think it's going to be very direct football. Um, but he kind of, uh, I suppose, spoke about the fact that they're going to be trying to win games the way that they see fit for every mm. team. So yeah, yeah. potentially against Argentina, you're probably going to see us with men behind, the ball. Levin men behind the ball and letting Messi hold the balls like in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, even Lewandowski might even be on yeah. the line. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think that's going to be the big game where we're probably not expecting to grab anything out of that particular match. But the big one is Mexico because Mexico yeah. aren't in great form themselves. A lot of hate towards Tato Martino, who is mm. the ex-Argentinian. They haven't been on great form if you've looked at their stats. And obviously, they've still got a, quite an ageing squad. I yeah. mean, the exception is Lozano, who plays for Napoli. He's going to be a big player for them. Um, but I think I'm grateful that we've got Saudi Arabia in our group because I recently saw them play against Croatia. And do you remember like those 1990s World Cup games that you used to get on the Sega Mega Drive or SNES? And they're like static, very static. And you could get the ball Running passed straight and then lines, shoot. That's, that's basically <laughs> Saudi Arabia. That's what wow. I saw, okay. which is amazing. Wow. So I'm hoping that doesn't give me um egg on my face. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, for Poland, in terms of expectation, if we can get out of this group, that'll be a massive achievement because potentially we would face France in the next oh. round, which oh. would be absolutely horrendous for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's an occasion, isn't it? It's an occasion. But yeah, get, I... get your thoughts on this group. 
I, I think, yeah, Poland, I um, you've got some really good footballers in that team. You've got the likes of like Zielinski and Szymanski, who I'm still absolutely yeah, in Szymanski, love with I've just from yeah. FM alone. I absolutely love him. And every time I see him, I'm like, God, this guy's great. I think there's a lot of decent footballers in that team. I understand mm. you've got to be pragmatic and be like, yeah, you can't go toe-to-toe with Argentina. But I hope against the likes of Saudi Arabia, you try and put a bit of a show on. Against Mexico, you try and get the game by the scruff of the neck. because. Yeah. Mexico are there for the taking. They scraped through qualification. Like they really yeah. just qualified for the World exactly. Cup. It was not comfortable. And that's in bloody CONCACAF where I know. You know it's them, America and Canada. That's it, really. Exactly. So I think, yeah, it's not a Mexico team that we're thinking of from like the last World Cup where yeah. they really like tore things apart. I think this is one that um, Poland can do, but as we know, Mexico always get to the last 16 and then that's it. <laughs> that's, that's what it. they do. Um, for Argentina, this should be this is warm, should be up. straightforward. It should this be straightforward. Is, yeah. Yeah. It's warming up for the real bit, I think. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they play like who they play, whether they give some players chances and kind of see what's yeah. going on, or whether they just get everyone in the team, get going, get into form. But it'll be an interesting group. I'm gonna say, you know what. No, I'm not going to say it, Adam, because I don't want to jinx it for you. Let's just move on to Group D. Let's just <laughs> Let's move, move on, on to Group D. And we're going to go to Group D, Australia, Denmark, France, and Tunisia. I'm sorry, Tunisia. I keep forgetting you're at the tournament. <laughs> but this is a really interesting group. I think I think there's a surprise in here somewhere. Do you? I think if you're going to say it's a surprise, it's Denmark. Um, mm. I, I still think when you said it, I still think Denmark, France. Yeah. For me, I look at the quality of this Australia squad and it's not brilliant. Tunisia, they've done well to get to this stage. I feel mm-hmm. like that that's their level. Um, but yeah, if we talk about Denmark briefly, obviously I think a quality across the side, um, they seem to be a team that plays for each other. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they will surprise a few teams in this tournament in terms of the next few stages. It's a question of, do we think they've got enough quality versus those likes that they might face in quarterfinals, etc. Um, I think a lot of people that I've seen so far are tipping them to be their dark horses. I think yes. realistically, potentially for me, they might be quarterfinal stage, which I think Danish people are quite happy with. They would take that because I think they realise that there is other quality sides around them. Um but yeah, France, again, I mean, this is the question. Will they uh, boil over and have a bit of a drama or will they be the side that, you know, delivers? Um, well, I think there's, there's kind stuff. of an interesting thing happening where, because the, the big thing in the last tournament, despite them winning it, was that Giroud and Mbappe didn't like each other, right? There was like a huge, yeah. or Mbappe had an issue with him being misplaced for Giroud and it was like a whole ego thing, shock with Mbappe. But apparently they're working very well together. There was pictures of them kind of joking and playing around in training. And all of a sudden I was like, ah, crap. <laughs> if they sort their stuff <laughs> out, they could actually retain the bloody they thing. Um, they genuinely could. I think Deschamps has been able to so far keep a hat in general, keep a lid on He's the done very well. apart from apart from witch doctors, etc. aside, he's yeah. done quite well in keeping the lid on it all. I think the squad are kind of pushing in one direction. I think you've got a lot of young, exciting players that see this mm. as their big 
this is like, you know, William Saliba, Chouameni and Kamavinga. That's a very young midfield. But if they can yeah, if they yeah, can yeah. really push on and put their name down, this could be a team that is like a legacy team for years, right? So I think it's it's a huge job for Deschamps, but he's got the win in his back pocket. I think he's able to keep the, the camp a little bit calm. It's about keeping Mbappe calm. It's just about getting him <laughs> focused. I think now it's gone from like Pogba and the likes to like just it's all about him. And if you can keep him happy, then the rest of the squad can fit around him. And I think Deschamps is able to do that. Um, for Australia, I was just looking at their squad. And yeah, the only names that kind of... Aaron Moy Aaron from Celtic. Moy. Yeah, um, exactly. They've got quite a lot of players that play out in Australia, a lot of home-based teams. Um, yeah. Harry Sutar from Stoke, uh, Frank Karacic from Brescia and Serie B. Um, Matt Ryan, ex-Arsenal goalkeeper now in Copenhagen. But he's so the player that can't players... get in the squad, right? He can't get in yeah, the yeah, Copenhagen yeah. squad. So, yeah. yeah, there's a few players that you might recognise, but it's not, again, the kind of Australia group that we, the mm. Australia squad that we used to see in. And then I was looking at Tunisia and they're all based in the Middle East, really. They're all based yeah. in Africa and the Middle East. Players that might jump out, Hannibal Mejri, Mejbri, who's on loan from United mm. at Birmingham City, I think. Um, yes. Wahib Kazri, uh, Sunderland legend, oh, yeah. who has been smashing it in, in Montpellier. Um, for the last couple of seasons, he's been scoring some absolute bangers. So he's definitely capable of a 30 yarder I, i'm gonna yeah, say all yeah. prediction he scores a screamer in the group stage because he absolutely loves a rocket um <laughs> but from tunisia yeah i think it's great for them to be here without sending too patronizing yeah. and i think they'll be harder to beat than people expect that's what i'm mm. gonna say um denmark team spirit alone and the quality will yeah. get them through if they can get damsgaard playing if they can get him again the Euro yeah. dams guard, then that is a yes. hell of a player. Um, Ericsson killing at United, doing really, having a really good season. Yeah. I think we all know that Denmark, are, it's going to be fighting Denmark, right? Yeah. I think Tunisia might get a surprise result. Mm. That's going to be my bold prediction. Good. Moving on to Group E, Costa Rica, Germany, Japan, and Spain. Adam, first thoughts when you look at this group. I think this is the uh, hardest group, actually, in terms of there's quite a good mix of quality going along. And I think with every team, there's a bit of a flaw in them, right? So, you know, even though many people might speculate and say Spain and Germany are the favourites to get out of this squad, if you look at um, the defensive lineup for Spain, for example, they're very ageing. They're creaking, mm. so they've got likes of Jordi Alba, Aspercoleta, and then you think about the other kind of players that they've got in their squad. Eric Garcia, for example, he hasn't had a fantastic season. Emric Laporte, again, a player that we highlighted on the last part as not having a fantastic game for Man City. So, you know, being brought into this fold could be interesting. The same is said about Germany as well, because the big hype is around the fact that they didn't include Hummels, Matt Hummels mm -hmm. from Dortmund. Um, they have got some fantastic players, though, having said that, like Schlotterbeck, for example, uh, Matthias Ginter, who plays his trade with SC Freiburg. He's had a fantastic season there. Um, the big story, though, is Mkuku, um, the striker. Um, he's obviously a player that hasn't had a cap for the national 11, so to speak, but at under 21 level, I was looking before we joined the pod, wow. five games, six goals. And he's 17 years old. So 
it could be an explosive one for him. I don't think maybe Hansi Flick was expecting him to be included mm-hmm. because I think he probably would have gone for Werner, but because of Werner's injury, he's had to be forced into it. But when you think yeah. about the quality that they've got around him, they've got some fantastic players. Gnabry, for example, Havertz, you know, Marigotz is back in this squad, yeah. for example, Gundogan. And then you've got the Bayern Munich contingent, like Goretzka, for example, Musiala, for example. And yeah. Musiala is going to be the standout here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, from that point of view, very interesting blend. Um, just quickly, briefly, talking about Korea and Japan, and then I'll get your thoughts. Yeah, Japan, yeah. obviously, going to be very interesting. Their um, manager, Haimi Moriasi, has the all-time record for Japan. Um, having a win ratio of 68.4%, which means wow. nothing, right? But it is quite strong. Um, that is high. It is very high when you look at it from that point of view. Um, but the big players to call up, Matoma, who's having a fantastic season at Brighton. Maida, who plays for Celtic at the moment. He's a bit of yeah. a handful at times. I've seen him a few times. And Kamada, who plays for Eintracht Frankfurt. He's the defensive mm-hmm. midfielder. He could be an interesting one, which is where I think when Japan play Germany or, for example, Spain, I think it won't be that straightforward. I don't think it's going to be goals galore for you know the likes of Spain and Germany. Um, quickly on our Costa Rica, got a good blend of like experience and youthful players. There is some hey, absolute yeah. Premier League great names in this squad. Can you take us you know, through some of the names? Let's start with the big one. Brian Ruiz, the ex striker. Right? He loves a banger as well. He loves a beautiful Joel Campbell, ex-Arsenal yes. striker. I mean, yes, he's playing. He's tried at Lyon uh, in Mexico. And then you've got Kaylon Navas as well, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big one... And you've got is, Brian Oviedo still sticking course, around. Yes, Brian yeah. Oviedo. I was just going to quickly say the player to come out of this squad to keep your eye out on is Jusen Burnett, who plays for Sunderland. They Oof. brought him this season. He's youngster, winger. Could be an interesting proposition. So, yes, interesting. Nice. And Luis Suarez, who is the manager, not the, the other player that plays for Uruguay. Um, this is the third time that he's taken a side to the World Cup. The first time was with Costa Rica in 2006, and that was a side that did very well and surprised a lot of people. So nice. this is why my rationale is. Yeah, no, I, I think, think this this group is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. Costa Rica, like everyone mm. said to me, and like we've talked to a few people, like, oh, it's not the Costa Rica that it was in the past. It's not the 2014 Costa Rica. It's not. It's not. But I'm like, every time they're in a tournament, they do seem to do pretty well. They yeah. never really disgrace themselves. I think, weren't they in the group when England and Italy both went out? Was that Costa Rica? Yes. Maybe yeah, I think it like, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they always seem to do well. I think they're a team that nobody should take for granted. Um, Germany, as you said, like, yeah, Muziale is the player. How much we see Mokoko is going to be fascinating. Um, for Spain, it feels like it's not this year, but it could be in a few years. If you know what I mean, like yeah. the squad just has a few, a few gaps. Gavi, Pedri, and Sufati. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of obviously there's, there's bound to be with Spain. There's a lot of exciting players there. It feels like maybe not just quite yet. Um, mm. And for Japan, they're a team that I always love to watch. They're always technically fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
I always I felt so sorry for them the way they went out in the last World Cup. Was it against Belgium? That was Japan, right? Yes, it was, like it the was. Last yes, minute. in the last sixteen. Oh yeah. god, it was horrible, and it was just. And they always deserve a little bit more, I think, with the quality of football they play. I'm obviously yeah. going to say I can't wait to see Tommy Yasu at a World Cup because he's been fantastic. <laughs> but the real Arsenal legend who has found himself into the Japan squad is. Do you remember this guy, Arsenal fans? Takuma Asano. We signed him from San Freccia, Hiroshima in 2014. <laughs> he made wow. zero appearances and then we loaned him out. And now he is at VFL Bochum, 33 games and three goals at Partizan Belgrade. He got 22 goals in 56 games. Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Um, but Arsenal fans will remember him fondly as he was one of the classic what the hell did we sign him for? Uh, signings. <laughs> there was Park Chu Young as well, I think a South Korean guy. Yes, but he yeah. is still about, guys. He is still about. He's in the Japan squad. And maybe we'll finally see him. Maybe <laughs> we will finally see him. Good. Um, let's move on to Group F, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. This is the definition of a hipsters group. And that's why I love it. It's my favorite group. <laughs> Belgium, Canada, Croatia, and Morocco. Try and predict this one uh, beyond Croatia. I think it's very open, isn't it? Again, it is like what we just said in the other group. Um, Morocco have some quality players, you know, Hakimi, Zayech, and so we've got Walid Kadira, uh, not Walid Kadira, but um, the uh, player that plays for Bari, I've forgotten his uh, name. Kadira. Kadira, yeah, Kadira. Yeah, um, so again, attacking wise, very strong for Morocco, Croatia. You're talking about likes of Luka Modric, for example, Brozovic. Um, they're probably at the twilight time, could be argued with Croatia. Um, and Belgium, obviously, the golden generation that has failed to deliver so far. Um, this could be their last tournament together as well for a lot of these players. Um, so it'd be fascinating to see. And then obviously Canada, like they've been the surprise package, I suppose, to come out and qualify for this World Cup. Not unsurprising for a lot of fans that have been following the likes of Alfonso Davis, Jonathan David, for example. I really am excited about Canada at this World Cup. Uh, you know, maybe not progressing past this group stage, but certainly just to see how they play. Um but yeah, I couldn't call it. I couldn't tell you who's going to be number one and who's going to be number two. I mean, what, what's your thoughts? Um, yeah, from talking to Sasha Tavolieri about Belgium and the squad and how kind of excited they are, he he was saying it's a bit of a transition thing. Players like mm. Onana that we've seen at uh, Everton are kind of, these are the players that they're expecting a little bit more from. And it is kind of the passing of the guard from the old golden generation. This is literally their last chance now. This is like, this is their chance. They've had all the other ones. This is the one. And I think that pressure maybe could get to them. We know that Martinez defensively isn't the strongest manager. um, And there are three teams here that I think offensively are actually pretty scary. Mm. Like you talked about Canada. Up front, they've got Jonathan David. They've got um, the... Cyril, oh Christ alive. They've got, wait one minute, let me get his name. Um, they've got it's Kyle Larin, sorry, from Club Bruges, who's like their record goal scorer. Junior yeah. Hoyler. They've got a few players that you recognize. Like, okay, they could do some damage. Azorio from Toronto. Like, there's a very good attacking team there. And I think their manager is doing a very good job. So I think for a mm. team that is can be exposed defensively. Belgium definitely can't take any of these games for granted. Croatia, 
again, like you said, one of the best midfields in the tournament between Modric and Brozovic and Kovacic. Like, unbelievable midfield. Yeah. Like, and then the, everything around it, they're definitely dangerous. And Morocco, yeah, you got Hakimi and Ziyech alone is enough to cause you problems. And they're a team that in the past, all their big stars got kicked out by the manager. They've got the new manager. He's brought all the big stars back in. He's got them playing together. This is a team that's out to prove a point because I feel like they feel like they let themselves down in the AFCON. Mm. They definitely expected to get further and do more. Yes. And I think people expected them to get further and do more. And I, I feel like this is their kind of right now. Let's show the world actually what we're about. So I think this this group, most people will say Belgium and Croatia get through, but I think one of them misses out. And I think if it's one of them, it's going to be Belgium. Mm, that could be fascinating take. Let's move on to group G. Group G. Here we go. Brazil, Serbia, Cameroon. And Argentina, what this is a very another very close group. Um, yeah, it could be, could I be a fascinating one. Serbia have got one of the most underrated squads, mm. <laughs> they've just got so much quality so in their team. Quality. Like, they can play Vlaovic and Mitrovic up front, and if they don't, it's a crime. Just find <laughs> yeah. a way to put both of them in the team because bloody hell. Um, I think it was counted as 11 of their players playing Serie A. Um, they've got gonna, both of the Milinkovic yeah. Savages. Um, they've got Radoncic. They've got uh, all Sasa of the Lukic, players. Yeah. Yeah, so they've got they've all got... of the players from Serie A. Um, so that's a very, very capable squad. And their manager is doing an incredible job. Um, people seem to be really happy with him in general. Yeah. Um, He's kind of he's united um, Red Star and Partizan Belgrade. He's managed to unite their fans behind him. <laughs> like holy hell! Like he, we should get him into Israel Palestine see if we can fix that mess. <laughs> but like it is incredible the job he's doing, and it's a very exciting squad. We'll get on to Brazil because we don't really yeah, we even really need to talk about them. But if we move on to Switzerland, mm. again an incredibly dangerous team. Like Adam, what do you think of them beyond the great granite Xhaka? What do we think of the Switzerland squad? <laughs> Switzerland squad is quite fascinating in the sense that not only have you got the well-housed names kind of players in that squad, but you've also got some exciting youngsters, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got Noah Akafor, for example. And I was oh, looking at Breck yeah. Mbola, who's having a mm-hmm. good season. I was looking at his stats before we joined the pod. So it's eight goals in 25 games so far for Monaco since he got his move from Gladbach. When you yeah. look at his record, I think it was like 100 games, 25 goals. And you're like, eh, it's kind of all right, I suppose. But maybe there was the promise. Maybe it's that element that he's grounding into a better player since he's first started for Gladbach. And yeah, I think when you look at Noah Akafor, so that's seven goals in 14 games. Yeah, um, He's the one. He's yeah. the one, that Akafor. And I think Mbolo's a really interesting one because at the last Euros, he felt a bit like Adama Traore in the fact that he was quick, tricky, dangerous, but had no end product. And I feel like now yeah. he's starting to get that end product together. I keep using Adama Traore as, as, as an example. I think that is this. the guideline. I apologise. <laughs> but I feel like Mbolo now is starting to get that end product. You see it happen with players. They start their, their intelligence improves, whatever it is, their football intelligence improves, and they start to get those balls across. He's He is becoming more dangerous. That Okafor, he's coming from RB Salzburg. That's all you need to know. You know exactly. he's going to be a great player. Like they well, only I, produce great players. The one thing I'll say about Switzerland, I feel that this is going to be down to the match between them and Serbia because you've obviously mm-hmm. got a little bit of a grudge element because of the Albanian contingent within Switzerland. 
who are going to want to uh, prove their worth or there's also the Kosovan element as well, I suppose, in that squad with uh, mm. Southern Shedra and Shakiri as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that will add the spice to that match if it doesn't already need it. Um, and I think looking at the uh, Cameroonians team, I'm not 100% sure on them, to be fair. I mean, what, no. what, what do you think about their chances? I think they were hosting the previous AFCON and that helped them a lot, the fact that they were the hosts. Um, I think they are an okay team. I think you look at a lot of the players and you think, yeah, not bad. Um, you've got Hongler from Hellas Verona, who is a decent player. Um, you've got um, Brian Buemo from Brentford. You got a Cambe from Leon, who's pretty decent, but none of them really stand out beyond, of course. Oh yeah, no, no, uh, yes, him and Zambo Anguisa. I think is by far the most important player in this team. They've got Onana in goal, so there is quality. I just feel like it's not quite that step up. Um, the Chupo Moting thing is fascinating, as we've talked about him a lot because the guy's career is actually really, really weird. And he is kind of <laughs> scoring now for Bayern. Seems to be yeah. in a pretty, having a pretty Rich good season. Vein of which, form. Is, yeah. which is great for Cameroon because if it wasn't him, they're looking at Abubakar who is, it was a great striker in his day, but it's definitely getting on now. So I think him having them having mm. to promoting as an option is definitely, definitely a good thing for them. But I think they could rely on him a bit too much for a player that isn't that consistent. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be a difficult one for Cameroon. I think they probably finish bottom. Um, mm. Unfortunately, I just hope they can get a result. I hope they get like a win or, you know, something that they can like go, right. We, we were at the world cup. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but we need to talk about the team that we haven't talked about yet, and that's Brazil. Um, just how much are they favourites for this tournament, Adam? I think they're massive favourites. I think I'm tipping them to win the World mm-hmm. Cup purely because of the depth that they've got in this squad. It is insane. And if you go on top of that, the form that they are producing as well as a team, with the likes of Neymar at the heart of it, I mean, that kind of says to you that they're definitely favourites for this um, mm-hmm. There is a feeling, though, I suppose, that, yeah, there's too many egos potentially in this squad. I mean, there's a lot of players there that could flip out and you could see a similar tantrum to what the French mm-hmm. squad go through at tournaments sometimes. But I do get the sense that they are together in the sense of trying to win this World Cup, regardless mm-hmm. of the personalities in that squad. Maybe that's why Daddy Alves is in there as well, yeah. just to give that kind of experience and know-how. It's interesting. I don't know if you saw his tackle on Anthony the other day. Um, yeah, certainly uh, showing that he wants to be part of this squad as well, right? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think he he doesn't think he's there to make up the numbers. He yeah, does exactly. like he he won, and as he's a professional, he's one of the greatest wing backs that the game has ever seen. He has the right to be like, you know, I'm going to bloody play. Uh, but yeah, maybe don't injure one of your best wingers. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> but I think yeah, for Brazil, I think similar to France with Mbappe, it's all about Neymar, right? You have to make it feel like you have to make Neymar feel like it's all about Neymar, right? Exactly, and I think as long yeah. as you do that it'll be a relatively happy camp. I think the Danny Alves call-up is genuinely a stroke of genius. I genuinely think it's like, it is very just sensible. I think coaches are way, like are becoming more, are more willing to accommodate the idea that 
team spirit means so much at international tournaments because you don't have much time to implement a system. You don't have much time to implement tactics or anything. It's just about people being happy and playing well together. That's it. Mm. So I think the coaches are really waking up to it. But if you just look at this, the attacking line, I'm just going to go through the attacking lineup alone. Neymar, Gabriel Hazier, Anthony Rafinha, Rodriguez, Gabriel Martinelli, Pedro. It's just fucking terrifying. It's terrifying. I, I can't see a team that can keep a clean sheet against them. You'd have to be doing very, very, very well to keep a clean sheet against them. So I think Brazil have to be the massive favourites. We've not really talked about Argentina. We kind of skipped over them. I think they're the team that are going to push them furthest. But I think the way it yeah. lines up, they would meet in the semi-finals. I think, the way it lines up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But Brazil will be topping this group, bar an absolute disaster. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Moving on to the final group. We're nearly there, guys. Final group. Group H. This is... Oh, there's so much beef. <laughs> Ghana, Portugal, South Korea, and Uruguay. Wow. This is a really interesting group, I think. It what is, are your first yeah. thoughts for this group? I don't think it's going to be straightforward for no. a lot of these sides. I think Uruguay are kind of dismissed as an aging squad. South Korea are everyone's maybe favourites because they've got Son in their squad to an extent. And I know probably not for the Arsenal contingent in uh, North London <laughs> anyway, that's for sure. Portugal are probably maybe the outside favourites just purely because of quality alone. But I personally think they're probably favourites to maybe get knocked out at this group stage. I, I really do feel that you can see the tension with uh, Ronaldo and I'll, I'll yeah, be yeah. very interested to see how um, Santos decides to uh, play or decide to um, have him in the squad. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was uncomfortable seeing what he did with Cancelo the other day in training and it's, the vibes just don't seem to be great down there. So, I wonder if that's detracting from their concentration at the moment. It seems like the players are individually very focused on the job in hand. But if you're having to say, I've got to pass it to that cunt up front and let him take the glory. Yeah. It takes a different emphasis, doesn't it? It, And it could could have been a tournament whereby, you know, if he didn't say all of that, he could have come out of this looking like the hero of the hour Mm. because he's been dismissed by his club in the sense of, they don't want to play him. He could have turned up at Portugal, scored the winning goals, gone home bragging about how he was the big man. But instead, he does that stupid interview with Piers Morgan and that takes a limelight off Portugal. However, yeah. having said that, they have got some really good players. Rafael Leal, you know. The, Bernardo the, Silva. Bernardo like, Silva, you could go for Cancelo. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic works in Ghana. Yeah, I mean, not amazing names, but the one or two players I'm looking forward to is Kudas, the striker Ajax that's been playing really well. Oh, um, what player, man. Yeah. I don't know about you. Uh, it's never a tournament when you don't see the RU brothers around as well, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, they're still, they ride once again. <laughs> they're still and- going, man. The interesting dynamic here as well as Inaki Williams, who plays for Atletico mm. Bilbao, his brother Nico is playing for Spain or is in the Spain squad. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's going to be fascinating to see which brother outdoes the other in terms of tournament progression. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there are 
solid side as well. You know, Salusu, who's the centre back at Southampton, he'll be there mm-hmm. as well. So, Eric Lamptey, Lamptey, you've got Daniel Lamarty, uh, so Thomas just... Party. No matter what you think of him, he's a very good player. Um, exactly. Yeah, as you said, Jordan Ayew, Afenejan from Roma. Like, there is a bit of. I think with Ghana, it's interesting because they were terrible at the AFCON. They didn't even get past mm. the group stage. I think they didn't win a game. They were awful. And I think people were kind of expecting them to continue that a bit, but they've added a little bit to their squad now. Um, there was one player who I thought, I think you made the wrong decision. Eddie Nketiah was in Ghana today on holiday because he's declared Ooh. for England. And I was like, Eddie, you're not going to get the, the England call up, man. Just go for Ghana yeah. and you could have been playing at a World Cup. You could have been starting up front next week like yeah i genuinely think he could have done it so i think there's a little bit of like but what Ghana have done well is getting the naturalized players right yeah. they've got um the tarik lamty and they've got the players that yeah. kind of got Ghana and heritage and they've said right come and play jump shit i think come and play. Yeah, yeah there is a bit of there's a bit of quality in there it is looking all right um the game that everyone's looking forward to though is Ghana versus uruguay jesus christ that is going to be all the history in that game, all the history oh, is going to be can you imagine? so, so Suarez. many, <laughs> so many grudges to settle. And the Uruguayans love pissing people off. Um, I think Uruguay, their squad is actually pretty good. Um, they've still yes. got like Darwin Nunes, Valverde, they've got a lot of quality in that team. And um, South Korea, we know, are always going to cause problems with Son up front. They've got plenty of decent players, and Portugal, like you said, kind of looks like meltdown. But have they got enough talent to get through it? I just find it fascinating the timing of this Ronaldo thing. It's not only blown up United, it could blow up his final World Cup. It's just mm. absolutely baffling timing. But that is all the groups, guys. That is, we've gone from A to H. That is all of them. Um, we're going to take a very quick break before we do our predictions and send you off to the weekend. And here we go, the last part of the show. We're finally here, and we've asked all of our guests on our World Cup preview videos to make their bold predictions. It's now time for ours. So, Adam, we're going to go. I'll I'll say the name of the award. You go, I go. Let's go through it, right? Cool. Let's smash it. Nice. So, first up in our World Cup predictions is... Who is going to be the winner? Which team will be lifting the trophy come just before Christmas? I think it's largely going to be Brazil. I just think they've got the edge. Um, They've got the quality. They've got the depth. I think everyone's fearful of what they could produce at this World Cup. But yeah, easier said than done. How about yours? I'm just so we don't say the same. I'm going to say Argentina in a controversial move. I'm going to say Lionel Messi with his last dance, emulates Maradona and picks up the trophy of Argentina. I feel like it's been written in the stars for a while. He's won the Copa America. He's got that chip off his shoulder. Mm. He's got a monkey off his back. And now he can push on. The Argentina team, we haven't really talked about them. They look unbelievable as well. Mm. Like very, very close to to Brazil. Equally good form. I think they could do it. And I think it would be nice for Messi to do it. Ultimately, it Mm. would be nice. Um, Good. Argentina, Brazil. Here we go. Next award is who will get the golden boot? Which player will pick up that golden boot? I'm going to give it to a certain Lionel Messi. I I think his goals are going to help them 
progress, shall we say. Um, mm. Although I tip Brazil to be the favourites to win the actual competition, I think Messi will be relied upon, especially in those moments where maybe it's a stalemate and you're wanting a goal. I think he's the man and there's a lot of expectation, but he always seems to deliver. Um, but yeah, what about you? I'm going to go, and this is going to surprise a lot of people, I'm going to say Harry Kane. Um, I'm going to say he gets quite a few goals in the group stage. I think he's going to get like yeah. a couple penalties. He'll get that like he did against Panama. There'll be a game where maybe he gets a few, <laughs> and then he'll yeah. get the golden boot. He always seems to get it. So I'm going to go for Harry Kane. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Good. Next up is... Player of the tournament, of course. Last time it was Luka Modric. I think it surprised a few people. Not he deserved it, but I think he surprised people that he got it right. Who do you think would be a player of the tournament in this tournament? Adrian Rabio. No, I'm joking. Yeah, no, it would be hilarious if it did. Um, <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, I actually think it might be Pedri from Spain. I think wow, he could nice. be a very interesting player. I think the form that he's in, he could be surprising a lot of teams and just general fans. Um, I'm just fascinated to see how he turns mm. up for this tournament because I think he really did shine a light at the Euros. It'll be fascinating mm. to see if he can repeat that at the world stage as well. How about you? Nice. I'm still kind of deciding in my head as we speak, but I think I'm going to go for uh, such a boring prediction. Um, I'm going to go <laughs> Neymar. I'm going to say, Fair enough. despite Brazil not winning it, I think Neymar's going to have an incredible um tournament and it's going to be like a consolation thing of like you didn't win mm. but you were unbelievable kind of like it was for modric he did deserve it but it was a you know this is to show how incredible you were and i think it'll be that kind of thing for neymar so i'm gonna say neymar i'm sorry luca i've really digged in on your player <laughs> of the tournament award for some reason i didn't see that happening this evening next we have the turkey award for the team that are go everyone thinks is going to do well but won't I'm going to go with Portugal. Um, I've Ooh. given a bit of background. I think the Ronaldo thing is going to take its toll. But more importantly, I think Santos isn't a great coach. I, no, I fear not. for Portugal. They've got a fantastic, like, individual talented squad. When it comes to, like, being a team, they seem to struggle. Like, they didn't really qualify out of the mm. groups in spectacular fashion, it has to be said. Um and yeah, I think this Ronaldo scenario is just going to make it even worse for them. So um, that's my tip. How about yours? I think it's, I've already kind of said it, Belgium. I think people Fair are enough. expecting Belgium to do very well. I don't think they will. Yeah, Belgium. Mm. That is going to be my answer. Cool. The Turkey Award for the biggest disappointment. Nice. Next up is the James Rodriguez Award for the player that is going to be a breakout star of the tournament. What do we think? I'm going for Musiala from Germany. I am really excited about not only his progress so far, but what he can deliver for this Germany squad. I think he's going to be the equivalent of a certain play that you're going to mention for England. Um, and I think that kind of shows the levels that he's brought to this side. Um, 
but just more important, I think he's going to be, be a big name for years to come. And yeah. I think people are going to be really on his tail, hoping that he signs for them when his contract's due up. But it won't be for any time soon. For the time being, he's still a Bayern Munich player. How about yours then? Yeah, mine is kind of Germany-based as well, but playing for England. I think a lot of people know how good this guy is, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to really know how good this guy is providing he gets starts under gareth i think he should i'm going for jude bellingham i think this is the tournament where he announces himself as a world-class player i think this is where people go from promising youngster to world-class i think this is when it happens i'm super excited about him um I have a dream uh, fairly regularly <laughs> of Arsenal signing him in some like fever dream. I just, I am, I am in love with the guy. And I think this is the tournament where he's really going to kick on and bring it home for England. Why not? It's the first time we've <laughs> yeah. mentioned it. We're over an hour, an hour in guys, and we've not mentioned it yet. Nice. The next one is the El Hadjou award <laughs> for which player is going to be sold and then be terrible. Yes, I, I've gone for his compatriot, which is Ishmael Issar, who's currently playing his nice. with Watford. Um, he's not a bad player by any stretch of imaginations, but if he has a fantastic tournament, then I can see someone splashing out 60, 70 odd million. Watford will mm-hmm. go, yes, please, and the rest. And then, yes, he might turn out to be terrible. Um, what about yours? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I've had a quick change of change of mind. I've had a quick. Oh, Chupo Moting. Chupo Moting. Ooh. He's gonna get a big move from Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich consider him disposable. They go. You know what? We can yeah. sell him. A club come in with a big money move off the back of a tournament, and then he ends up at Stoke. Chupo Moting again. So that is gonna be <laughs> my my prediction. Chupo Moting gets the El Hadj Chupo. Have we both picked? Oh no. He's Senegalese, not Cameroonian. I keep doing that. Good. (laughs) I keep doing that. Good. And the last one, the last award, um, Andrew Jennings Award for standing up to pricks. Who is going to be the first person to anger the Qatari government? I think it's going to be a certain Danish player. Now, I did have to kind of size it up, and I think it's going to be the captain, Simon Kier. I'm sure he'll be brought up on the human rights and the Denmark stance, especially with their Mm -hmm. kits, right? And I'm sure he's going to stand up for that. Um, He's a strong leader. I'd love him in my side, to be fair, fighting my corner and... He generally comes across as a nice guy. So despite the fact that he plays for AC Milan, he's a nice guy. So yeah, I'll give it to him. What about yours? Nice. I am going for a man we've mentioned already in the show. He loves just saying what he thinks. And I think there's definitely (laughs) going to be a little snide comment somewhere or a little, it won't be a direct call out. It'll be a little comment that goes viral (laughs) on Twitter. And it is, of course, Louis Van Gaal. I think he's definitely going to say something in passing to someone that's just going to cause all sorts <laughs> of shit, whether it is, are we allowed cameras in this room or something? <laughs> yeah. about, there will be a comment that means that he upsets them. And it will be another reason for us to love him. It will be another yeah. reason. But guys, that is our predictions for the World Cup. We are going to revisit this at the end and see just how wrong we were. Um, but for now, we are... Well, I'm going to hand over to Adam to take us out of the show. Yes, thank you, Rory. Um, so I'm going to bring to you guys, listeners and viewers, about the account that is called Cards of Qatar. Um, as a pod, 
the three of us decided that whilst we can't influence, I suppose, the actual tournament, but more importantly, we wanted to make sure our moral grounds were being shown as part of the podcast. And we really wanted to highlight some of the stories that are being highlighted by the cards of Qatar. So we want to also um, praise them for the work that they're doing right now. They're doing fantastic work in terms of just highlighting where we are, why we're highlighting these stories and what the whole Qatar piece is all about. Um, So just to kind of break it down, obviously, for those that might get distressed quite easily, then I'd maybe suggest that you put this down for a few minutes whilst I read a few stories that have taken place. Now, I've picked these three stories just to highlight the levels of, I suppose, hypocrisy, and everything that is about this World Cup. And um, every story is in memory of an individual. So um, I'm going to start off by highlighting the story of Manjur Karpathan. So Manjur Karpathan from Nepal died in Qatar on February the 9th, 2021, at the age of 40 years. His death certificate issued states that the heart disease was unspecified and that it does not provide information about the underlying causes. His brother Ahmed Hussein told Amnesty International that Manjur worked as a truck driver, that he was healthy, they often talked about his job, and he complains about long working days. The heat and that and of the air conditioning in the truck was often broken. But he never complained about his health because he died at home and not at work. The case is not covered by the compensation laws in Qatar. Then I'm going to highlight in memory of Mohammed Suman Miar. So Mohammed Suman Miar from Bangladesh died in Qatar on April 29th, 2020 at the age of 34. The death certificate from the authorities states that he died of heart failure as a result of natural causes. But nothing about these causes are the family that borrowed $7,000 from the visa. Eventually, he got fired um, at the job at the construction site. The temperatures when he died was about 38 Celsius in the shade. Suman's colleagues told his family that he died towards the end of a shift from a heart attack and that he was taken to the hospital, but that his life could not be saved. Finally, in memory of Tal Bahadi Kati. Tal Bahadi Kati from Nepal died on the night of May 28, 2020, at the age of 34. His death certificate issued by the Qatari authorities state that his death was due to acute heart failure due to natural causes. He never complained of any symptoms. I have a hard time believing that he would just die. Miss Bipani told Amnesty International. She wanted his body to be autopsied, but was told by his neighbours in Qatar that it would not be possible to determine the cause of death. We had no children of our own, and it feels as if they set my husband on fire and as if I am burning in oil.
Sports Social Podcast Network.